y'all. I'm Ashley Nicole of Getting My Cheese Back on My Cracker Foundation, and you are tuned into the Wellness Collective. All right, we are live, and welcome everyone to this episode of the Wellness Collective. I am Ashley Nicole, and before I introduce our panel or our guest, I want to remind you to click on that subscribe button at the bottom of the screen and turn on the post notifications. When you subscribe, you get, you're the first person to know whenever we have an episode of Cheese on My Cracker, whenever we have an episode of The Wellness Collective, or whenever we have an episode of The State of the Black Men's Mental Health. Okay? So in this episode, we're talking about the mindful Black woman. Mindfulness is a practice that's been around for centuries, and today mindfulness is gaining popularity as a way to reduce stress and improve overall health. Um, before we get into a little bit more about mindfulness, I want to go ahead and introduce our, our guests. Hi, ladies. Thank y'all for joining. Can you tell us, um, give us your name and tell us a little bit about yourselves? In no sure. Way. I can go first. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Amaka. I am a New York native. I work in the mental health field. Um, I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner. So that's kind of one step below a psychiatrist, but I do a lot of the same things. I um, provide therapy. I provide medication support. I diagnose and treat a host of mental health conditions. Um, and I'm really excited to be a part of this live stream this evening. Um, thank you so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. And I am having tech issues. <laughs> Can you say your name for me again? Is it Amaka? It is, yeah. OK. And am I coming in clear? Mm -hmm. OK, wonderful. So my name is Jasiri, and um, I am, uh, I, my background is in wellness, general wellness. Um, I'm a certified yoga instructor and health coach. And my specific uh, focus with women specifically is um, the intersection of C with self, restoration with self, and reconnecting with self. Um, one second. So, um, yeah, I, I, I educate and facilitate in yoga practices that include breath work, that includes meditation, that includes asana or movement posture practice. Um, I also facilitate writing for healing workshops or sessions. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's generally, generally what I do. Awesome. I'm so glad to have both of you on here. I think that both of you are going to be great as far as giving us different information about this, uh, session. It's me as well. So I'm looking forward to learning what information you ladies have for us. Um, so being a mindful black woman, while being aware of our surroundings is trying but worthy um, to me. In this episode, uh, we'll talk a little bit about mindfulness and share some mindfulness practices. Um, it's not surprising that mindfulness has become so popular. 
It's easy to learn, it's free, and it's been practiced. It can be practiced anywhere at any time. What is mindfulness to you? I could I could um, just chime in quickly. Um, mm -hmm. Mindfulness has been something for me that has always been there. You know, even when you know I am slacking on my mindfulness practice and my meditation, I do. Especially recently, I have been finding that I need it. I need to do it. Um, especially with like my profession, which I love but I am seeing a multitude of clients on a daily basis, sometimes, you know, in their worst mental states, um, and they're looking to me for support. So in order to be able to provide that, I need to be able to make sure that my cup is filled and I am capable, you know, mentally. Um, so having kind of realized that and been reminded of that, I have made sure to set aside periods in the day where I'm just checking in with myself. And ultimately, mindfulness can sometimes be feel elusive, like what essentially is it? But I like to just break it down so it's as um, easy to understand for anyone. You know, the basic tenet, in my opinion, is like, it is just checking in with yourself, like um, knowing how are you feeling in this moment, being able to identify your emotions, kind of being able to describe your bodily sensations, being able to kind of reconnect with yourself, whether it's for five seconds or for five minutes or for an hour. Um, so for me, being mindful oftentimes is closing my eyes, taking some deep breaths. Oftentimes in between clients, I will take literally like 30 seconds, close my eyes, take 10 really long, deep breaths so that I can kind of move out that energy from the previous client that I saw and then be able to be fully present for the next patient that I need to see. Um, so off the top of my head, my first thought, mindfulness is you know checking, with, checking in with yourself as often as possible. So for me, um, and, and everything that I'm going to be speaking on is really coming from my direct experience uh, in terms of learning uh, mindfulness. Um, and what I, where I am right now in terms of how I understand mindful, mindfulness, how I experience it, is just really bringing awareness to um, Noticing, you know, the practice of noticing, noticing the thoughts, you know, noticing uh, the flow of breath, noticing, like Amaka was mentioning, you know, bodily sensations. Um, oftentimes, you know, when we're engaging in daily activities, we're not present to noticing the subtle aspects of life, like breathing. Um, and when you are mindful, mm -hmm. it just means that you're bringing your attention towards the subtle parts of life, like breathing in and breathing out, or even just sensations in the body, or even the quality of your thoughts. Um, so, so that, you know, if you feel, um, you know, mentally distressed, you know, that just bringing your attention towards it would actually create just a small shift from it being overactive to, you know, it's starting to settle down and then the body starts to settle down. 
et cetera. So yeah, it's just, it's just bringing awareness to what's happening on a subtle level. Subtle really, yeah. I think it's interesting that of course now we, I know it is mindfulness, but it's something that like the first time I went to therapy or even in the steps leading up to me going to therapy, I had this app that had like, um, you can choose like five affirmations. You record yourself reading them and it plays it behind your music. And I got to where I would go to sleep listening to that and wake up listening to it. Whenever I was stressed out, I would listen to it. Or even um, when I was dealing with my mental health before I even knew I had a mental health issue and I would um, count, I would like just close my eyes and breathe for 10 seconds and think something nice and positive. But I think that people, people think that calming down and mental health, they may not think that those two things are connected and I think that that's the positive thing that I think is coming from this mindfulness drive, because at least we can put a name to it and then kind of get to like, okay, so the next step is to intentionally do these mindful things. Um, I said so many words, I got lost. Hold on, just sorry about that. Um, so with you, like both of you ladies, you have your own mindfulness practice. What introduced you to um, your mindfulness practice or what introduced you to the activity of being mindful? Mark, you um, want to go first? You know, that's an interesting question. Sure, sure. Um, that's an interesting question. And I say that because I don't really remember how I started. It's been a really long time. Um, if I were to pinpoint a particular time in my life, it would probably be in my early 20s when I had just finished college, I moved out on my own, I was doing my first job, just a lot of life transitions. And I was looking for something to kind of always come back to and to ground myself. So, you know, ultimately, I'm in my early 30s now. So it's been, you know, kind of using mindfulness and meditation as a tool off and on for about 10 years. Um, so yeah, I wish I could tell you like a specific, maybe experience or, you know, um, near death experience that had me like, oh, I need to, you know, kind of turn things around. But ultimately I think I just needed something, um, that I could always come back to. Um, I've always been, uh, a, a journaler. I'm, I, I'm big on writing. So that's been a form of mindfulness for me to kind of like chronicling my feelings and, you know, my emotions and, I think, you know, that along with finding meditation has been like pillars for me, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, before you answer, um, Jusseri, I do have one more question for, um, where am I? Um, with, your, with your profession, do you think that you kind of had like a plus that you were kind of aware of these things and kind of more aware of your feelings because you already were journaling? Or because you already were taking a, a breather whenever you feel like overwhelmed? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've kind of made it a personal, I guess, mission, for lack of a better word, from like my early 20s to really cultivate my self-awareness. So with that, mindfulness has really helped with that too. And I want to kind of 
um, piggyback on what Jasiri said about being more aware of your thoughts, especially if you know you have emotions that come up unexpectedly, whether it's anger, when, whether it's sadness, you know, instead of kind of like reacting based off of that emotion, I'm actually more so able to now kind of separate myself from it, almost kind of step out of that emotion and ask myself, why am I feeling this versus reacting to it? So that self-awareness has helped with when my clients are in a heightened emotional state, you know, energy is transferable. So sometimes if they're really anxious or nervous, um, sometimes kind of feel that transferring to me, but thankfully with my ability to, can you guys hear me? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, I'm not sure, okay, okay. Um, with my ability to kind of be aware of that, I have a better, I, like I've been able to build that muscle and be able to kind of cut that off at the pass, whether it's, you know, feelings of anger or sadness or anxiousness. Um, particularly this week, I saw a client who was in the middle of an argument with their partner and they actually stopped the argument. She stopped the argument so she could come on to her session with me. So she was very much in a state of anger um, and, and anxiousness. And thankfully, I was grounded enough to be able to just hear her words and see where she is and, you know, kind of help her, help her move through that, move through that space. Hmm. Yeah, that's really amazing to hear. Um, and I am curious, like now my interest is peaked as to like when that practice started for you um, because you were like, you can't, you're, you're not able to like pinpoint exactly when, mm. um, but uh, recalling my, my experience of when I started, I had just become a mom and, um, and I was grieving. And it's interesting just in this moment, um, when I had told, when I told this story before, I would say that I was in, I was depressed, but now I'm realizing it was just grief, actually. <laughs> um, and mm. I'm someone that um, I grew up in a single parent household. And so a lot of times when I was going through emotional upset, um, I, I spent a lot of time by myself. Um, the positive or the upside to that, you know, having to keep coming back to myself or being with myself in a really intentional way is that um, I began to consciously investigate, you know, what I was feeling, identifying what, you know, feeling what I was feeling, but also curious as to really back then I was curious as to why am I feeling this way and how can I soften this? How can I dissolve this or mitigate this? And does it get better? And these, I had a lot of questions about how do I get to the feeling or the experience of feeling better within myself, within my experience. And um, that started before motherhood, but right after motherhood, like I guess when my son was about a year and a half or so, um, I was grieving really heavily, just about like life transitioning, you know, like my life completely it was one way and then it was a different way. And so I, again, I had myself. I didn't feel like I had um, 
a lot of like substantive supports, like peace support outside of me, et cetera. So, and plus I was, I have this tendency to just sort of isolate anyway from my upbringing of having to like come, you know, come to myself for nourishment, for nurturing, you know, um, that sort of thing for self-soothing. Um, but anyway, I discovered in that process of coming back to myself and literally what it looked like was just to sit on my yoga mat. I didn't really know much about yoga and I would just feel my feelings. Like I was willing to feel my feelings. And um, there was a lot of expressing, crying and, you know, uh, through that feeling and ultimately, um, yeah, I just discovered that there was something to bringing conscious awareness or attention to the self, to feel the feelings fully. Cause it was like, oh, I could feel the grief and then I would cry and then I would write and then I'll cry and then I would move my body. But then I would get to a peace or a stillness towards the end of it. And the thing of it is, is that it happened every time. Cause this was like a daily practice, I kid you. <laughs> I came to like a, a place at the end of the feeling of feeling it full out mm -hmm. of like this stillness, this quiet. And I thought there's something to this. So that was really the onset of my personal practice. Yeah. Just grief. Good mm -hmm. stuff. <laughs> cool. Man. So I heard there's a couple of words that um, you, both, both of you said, whether it was um, grounding or, even you were speaking on the different steps that you got into. Um, there's a few different things associated with mindfulness. Can you tell us a little bit about, can either of you tell us a little bit about different um, aspects of mindfulness or different, I guess, methods of mindfulness? Jasiri, if you wanna go first, that's fine. I, yeah, I'm so, I'm, I'm easy, but I'll go first. So I think that, you know, based on my personal practice, the most powerful um, practice that, that I would tell others, right, clients, et cetera, students, is the practice of noticing. Because that's the heart, that's the heartbeat of, of mindfulness practicing. When you're mindful, it just means that your attention is consciously directed towards a thing. That thing can be your thoughts. That thing can be your body. That thing can be the words that you speak. That thing can be the action or the activity that you engage. It could be, I'm cooking a meal. But rather, you know, like instead of me, you know, emailing and on the phone and cooking, I am directing my attention towards the process of making this meal 100%. So it's just that. And I, I would start a person off with the practice of noticing. So that's just bringing attention to a particular task. Offer it 100% attention. And, you know, and, and, and to make it real, you know, palpable or practical, um, you know, can start with something that's visible or tangible, like, uh, you know, staring at, um, these are just some, some practices, you know, but staring at a candle flame um, or holding a, a plant or a flower and then just sitting with that, right? And just noticing the plant. There was this one um, 
practice that uh, this elder sister gave a group of women one time, and I thought it was like so powerful. She asked, she had us hold like um, in our palms, like some seeds. They were really tiny, but she was like, I want you to do nothing but look at them and, and just look at them. And I discovered how much of life I actually miss because I'm not 100% directing my attention towards one particular task when I'm doing the task. Just in that seed practice, just looking at it, I discovered so much more than just, you know, like these little tiny seeds in the palm of my hands. So it could be that, it could be, you know, um, let's see, run in water, you know, like if you were running water for a bath or if you were in the shower, just noticing anything, anything, sounds, just noticing sounds in the environment. The breath is invisible, but that's, you know, I feel like that's tangible enough that somebody can direct their attention towards that and notice every inhale and every exhale as it comes and goes, it comes and goes, right? Because it's, yeah, it's like, uh, bringing attention to, I use the word tangible because it's like the thoughts are not tangible. Like you could bring your attention to your thoughts, but you know, they're fluctuating or they're doing their thing, but something that's consistent, like the things that I've mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would love to just kind of piggyback on what Jasiri said about the breathing um, that's something that I would say in terms of basic, like you really don't need much to be mindful or to practice mindfulness, just noticing the air going into your nose and then, you know, going into your lungs and your, your chest expanding. Um, I find that that alone could really bring you, you know, kind of center yourself. Um, another thing that I find is helpful for me too, in terms of mindfulness is imagery. So when I am in the midst of a meditation or, or mindfulness, um, you know, if I'm using an app or something like that, I really like to imagine, like if I'm laying down and meditating, I like to imagine maybe like I'm on a I don't know, like I'm laying on a surfboard in the middle of the ocean, or, you know, I might imagine like breathing in, you know, a color that kind of gives me joy when I look at it or, you know, and then I'm breathing out like a, you know, like a pale color, which signifies, you know, maybe worry or stress or anxiety. Um, I feel like that helps me too because there is power in imagery and pictures, whether it's what you're picturing in your mind or what you're seeing you know, in your surroundings. Um, and I think we underestimate how much that can impact how we feel internally. Because I do find that sometimes, especially when I'm kind of, if I'm laying down and doing the meditation and I am you know, kind of creating this environment in my mind, I find that it, it, it brings me deeper into that, um, that uh, meditative state. And ultimately, when I conclude it, I feel much more at peace and in tune with myself. So here's the bigger, the bigger question, because I, so I've had, I've been diagnosed with anxiety. And it's like, there's, there's thoughts, there's always a thought, there's always something running through my mind, 
or either I'll um, always find things to do. For those of us who are like busy or whether we're physically busy or whether we're just always thinking something, how do you find time or how do you suggest people find time to like pause their brain or find time to stop and actually be mindful or stop and take a moment to practice, to do any of the mindfulness practices? Um, I'll answer first. So, um, the first thing that comes to mind is that, um, if it's, uh, if it's important to the individual, then, you know, they'll, they'll want to do it. They'll investigate the process. Um, and so they will prioritize it. Uh, for themselves. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like anything else that we desire to experience. You know, this is my take on it is that if I want to experience something, I'll bring my attention to it because I want it. I want to know what it feels like. I want to know, you know, so um, the same, the same thing with mindfulness, if it's new and a person, you know, is not really, you know, doesn't really understand what the process is, but they're curious I feel like, you know, our curiosity drives us towards the thing that we're interested in. And then we'll make the investment, meaning we'll make the time to move towards it. So that could be like we we look up videos, you know, we're in the age of information. We we call someone we think might have the answer and they might point us towards, you know, oh, here's what you can check out, this, that and the other. Um, but otherwise, one of the things that I tell, uh, you know, that I've been telling uh, clients that work with me is to set a timer that goes off throughout the day. Um, or, you know, it really depends on what their schedule looks like. Or at the top of their day, before they actually get out of bed, set a timer for a minute. I make it really short because I like bite-sized practices for, new, for newcomers, right? Um, set a timer and decide that you, you're going to do something that brings your attention just to the here and now. So that could look like uh, what Amaya was just saying, like that I'm going to just follow the flow of breath for one whole minute. My timer goes off and my practice is done. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you do that every morning, let's say for a week, your your nervous system will begin to actually adjust to the practice so much so that it begins to look for or seek out the practice you might even re you might even decide to go for a longer period you know longer than a minute um just because the minute has become so accessible it's you know it's no thing for you um so so those are some practices i like working with timers because, you know, I have busy days and I know the benefits of movement. I know the benefits of mindfulness. I know these benefits of like being present. Do I do it all the time? No. But <laughs> if I plug it into my schedule, highly effective for me personally. It's like timer goes off. Got it. I stop what I'm doing. I move towards my practice and I do it. It's done. Then I continue with my day. 
Um, I would add that, and this is something that I recommend to the patients that I see who struggle with anxiety, um, you know, writing all your anxious thoughts down. I definitely believe in the energy. There's energy transference. Personally, my belief, there's energy transference and taking those thoughts, taking that anxious energy, letting it kind of um, transfer out of your body and into the paper, the pen and paper. Um, and I find that that helps not only me, but the people that, you know, I share that with, with feeling a little lighter when it comes to the mental load that they carry. Um, also too, I would say um, there are a lot of different playlists on like Spotify and all these streaming apps that have like meditative sounds, whether it's um, sound baths or, you know, um, things like that, um, lo-fi music playlists, um, brown noise. There is a lot of different types of background mm -hmm. noise and music that helps you almost sometimes the thoughts melt away. You might be surprised at how much those sounds will relax you and relax your body almost to the point where you can't really hold a thought in those moments. You just kind of have to let yourself go. Um, so I would definitely recommend, you know, these very low barrier kind of easy to begin type of strategies with calming the mind, write down your anxious thoughts, even if it means like scheduling 15 minutes a day. Okay, what am I anxious about? Writing it down, um, putting on some really soothing background. It doesn't have to be music. It could be instrumentals. It could be, you know, um, yoga, like um, uh, background um, music or sounds that are complementary to yoga practice, things like that. And like Jasiri said, we are in the information age. Like, all it takes ultimately is a quick Google search online and you will find a multitude of resources that can support you on that journey. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I echo that, especially the writing down of the, I write too. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been able to get into journaling because I can't make myself be still long enough to write things down. But as Jasiri said, if it's important to me, <laughs> I should be able to focus on writing things down. I'm really interested in looking at um, transferring that anxious energy to a notebook now that Amaka has said it that way. <laughs> That's something that I'm probably gonna in implement very, very soon. Um, I also wanted to ask in looking up different, in, my research preparing for this episode and different things. I see mindfulness and then I also see mention of like a gratitude practice. Um, do you have a gratitude practice and is it a part of mindfulness or is it something separate to you? Um, so, um, oh, go ahead. Just go ahead. Oh. <laughs> it's a little delayed. Um, so for me, I I don't have a um, I don't have a gratitude practice because I've developed a relationship with life that's beyond me, that's beyond Jasiri, the personality. Um, and life is the reason why I'm even sitting here and speaking because life is the reason why I'm breathing in and out, why I'm functional why I'm able to process mentally and act physically, it's life. So when I know that, 
I just feel gratitude. I like the smallest thing. I just feel gratitude. Um, maybe not in every moment, but definitely every day. Um, I used to have a gratitude practice years ago where I would just write down in a, in a journal um, at the end of the day, okay, these are the things that I'm grateful for, or these, you know, for, but through the course of the day. Um, but yeah, I don't, yeah. Since then, like I said, my relationship with life has shifted. And so I just experienced that which sources this life. And, and that's enough to hold me, to remind me, to sustain that awareness or that consciousness of, ah, something far more grander is behind all of this, you know? And I, um, it's not even behind, it's really just enmeshed or in, in, it permeates the whole of everything. And so, yeah, um, do I find that different than being mindful? Um, yeah, I do find it different, you know, cause I feel, cause, because gratitude is like a thankfulness to me. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for my talents, my gifts. I'm thankful for the relationships that I have. Um, yeah, it's a thankfulness. Whereas mindfulness, as I mentioned before, to me is that I'm bringing awareness or attention towards a particular uh, experience, rather that's mental or emotional or physical. Um, before I answer the question, I wanted to go back to your comment, Ashley, about sometimes not feeling like you have time to journal. I definitely relate to that because, you know, life will be on 10 and I really want to get my emotions down, but I just feel like I don't have time. Um, so sometimes I actually just do voice notes on my phone. Maybe I'm, I got to my destination. I park in my car. I give myself like two, three minutes, whatever. And then I just kind of like vomit whatever is on my mind and just put it in the voice note. Sometimes that helps too. So if you are able to sit down and write for 20, 30 minutes or whatever, um, just pick up your phone, press record, say what you have to say, get it out. And then if you want to go back and listen to it later, good. If you don't, you could trash it. You could throw it away. You know, what's most important is that you've gotten it out. Um, so I just wanted to say that now onto this question. Sorry. <laughs> um, do I have a gratitude practice? Yeah, no problem. Um, do I have a gratitude practice? I wouldn't say I have like, um, like, uh, a concrete, like every day I write down what I'm grateful for. I feel like I do that more so when I moved to, um, you know, if I'm feeling particularly appreciative of maybe what had happened or, appreciative of the people in my life. Um, you know, I try to use um, action if it's towards a person, you know, and show them, you know, that I'm appreciative of them. Um, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that talks to myself. I know some people think that's weird, but sometimes I'll just say to myself that I am grateful for this that happened today. I'm grateful for this person. Um, so I know for some people kind of chronicling their their, the things that they're thankful for daily helps them. I don't necessarily chronicle it every day, um, but I'll just kind of 
do it, um, you know, organically, if I feel moved to kind of take a moment and sit and acknowledge what I'm thankful for. Um, so in, in that way, I think it kind of intertwines with my um, relationship to mindfulness because I'm, you know, kind of acknowledging in that moment how I'm feeling and who or what contributes to that that I'm grateful for. But also mindfulness is also separate to that too because I could be practicing it, maybe doing a meditation that does not have that, you know, um, gratitude component attached to it. So a yes and no to that question. Okay. Thank you. Thank you both. I love both of those answers um, because as someone, as I'm, as I'm trying to grow, I try to incorporate more things, but I used to be easily distracted. So I'll see mindfulness and I see um, gratitude and I'll see something else. And next thing you know, I forgot to be mindful or I forgot to meditate or I forgot to say an affirmation. It starts, I start piling things on and I forget what I initially planned to do in my um, mindfulness journey. Um, as we get more into uh, more conscious about mental health and about, um, especially in the black community, why do you think um, it's important for black women or people in general to start creating time for mindfulness or start being more interested in mindfulness practices? Yeah. Sarah, um, you could go ahead. Okay. So the first thing that the first thing that I want to speak to is um, personally, I, you know, um, and this happened some time ago. Like I place less and less emphasis on labels. Um, now I understand that we have labels to define the tangible experiences or the physical aspects of life, like black, like woman, like mother, like therapist or whatever, um, you know, so that we can be in dialogue and communicate. But personally, I don't really put emphasis so much on these defined words to say, uh, to understand life. Um, life is beyond labels. So when I hear that question, I just think that it's important for, you know, for everyone. Um, it, it's an important practice for everyone, no matter what their labels are, because, um, you know, life has a way, or not even life, but the world, I would say. And by the world, I mean environment, people, places, things, um, you know, uh, things that come up in the world. Um, it has a way of, you know, um, grabbing at one's attention and informing, once it has that attention, informing that intention, you know? So basically giving information, directing that attention, you know, um, deciding what should be done even with that attention. Um, you know, there are trends, there are fads, there are, you know, headlines, events that happen locally and globally in the world. And when you don't have a mindfulness practice, then you're likely to be a lot more absorbed in the contents of the world um, as it has your attention. 
And in that, you're less likely to have a connection to um, the truest aspects of yourself, which of course will, you know, um, determine the quality of your relating, determine the quality of your relationship, you know, relationship or with yourself and with others, the quality of life that you have or don't have. And so when you don't have a practice where you're coming back to yourself and noticing this one, this life in relationship to everything outside of you, then everything outside of you basically has you. And, you know, I say, like, if you, if you don't know yourself, life will, the world will tell you who you are and where and what's important and what you need to focus on or engage. Um, and with that, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just that for me, you know, the mindfulness practice is really important for everyone because, um, ultimately is going to determine the quality of life that you have. Um, Amika had, excuse me if I'm like, just jacked up your name, <laughs> oh, God. It's a beautiful name, um, but you mentioned earlier Thank something. You. Yeah, you had mentioned something earlier about like, uh, um, uh oh, thought went and hold on. Ah, oh, it's been happening all day today. That I had the thought, and then it went. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna just pause there, and when if it comes back, I'll I'll speak to it. But I'll just go ahead and pass the mic. Okay. Um, I guess how I would answer this question is kind of like from a, a little bit of a scientific place. I'm not gonna get into the nitty gritty, but a lot of us are aware of the fight or flight response, you know? Um, I feel like we aren't really aware how often we are inciting that fight or flight on any given day. And as black people, as black women, we are probably kind of offsetting that response more so. I, I, I'm not gonna say double the rate or triple the rate, cause I don't know. But I feel like I could safely say we probably are kind of prompting our fight or flight response um, more times than we think on any given day, you know, whether we're going to work, whether we're commuting, whether we're dealing with coworkers, whether we're dealing with microaggressions, whether we're dealing with out, outright racist um, interactions. Um, and I feel like, you know, to kind of bring ourselves back from that heightened state on any given day, we need to have a way to calm that fight or flight response to mitigate it and come back and be able to turn on our ability to rest. So the fight or flight response is associated with the th with the sympathetic nervous system. This is oftentimes when you know you hear, oh, you're in the woods and then you see a bear and you run. Um, but, you know, it's not the bear that is chasing us nowadays. It's our deadlines. It's our, you know, um, family members who need help. It's our children. It's all these demands 
during our day that are our bears, quote unquote, um, that incite that sympathetic nervous system response. So in order to counteract that, we need something to really bring ourselves back to a space of balance um, and to um, prompt the parasympathetic nervous system, which is ultimately the opposite of the fight or flight, which is the rest and digest. And you know, the word is in the phrase rest. So that is ultimately where mindfulness can come in, being able to sit down, take stock of how your day was, or if it's at the top of the morning, um, kind of set intentions for what you want your day to be. You know, take those deep breaths, center yourself. And I find that if it's something that you do in the morning, you're less likely to have those um, triggers, for lack of another word, really if affect you the way they would have if you didn't. Um, and if you do it at the end of the day, then you give yourself an opportunity to kind of let those experiences and how your body reacted to them, you have you give yourself an opportunity to let those melt away. So whether you do the mindfulness or meditation in the morning or you do it in the evening or you do it in the afternoon, all I would say is just do it. And don't be um, discouraged by, oh, I don't have any time. Literally 10 deep breaths takes like 90 seconds. So just do that. And like Jasiri said, you don't have to start with like 20 minutes. Just start a minute and then take two minutes, take three minutes, take more four minutes. Um, I'm, at, I'm at the point right now where I can meditate like 10 to 15 minutes and the time will fly by. And I'm, I'm working my way up to 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I hope one day to get to an hour. Um, because I know people that can do that and it doesn't feel like an hour, you know, it kind of flies by. So that's what, that's what I would say when, you know, that question is posed to me, why do we need it? Because ultimately, you know, for our um, health and well-being and being able to promote wellness and long life and, you know, you know, um, premature aging, all that stuff, we, we take, we, I don't, I don't think we, um, kind of give enough credit to how much the mind and our mental state impacts our body and the aging process and the stress. So that's what I would say. Absolutely. I, I'm glad that I have both of you kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, but what you're saying is kind of the same thing that we need to folk find a way to be mindful because of how many ways what's going on inside your head affects your day, affects your body, affects your, I can't even think of the word that I want to say, your your type of life, your standard of living, that's it. It, it affects all of mm -hmm. that. Um, mm -hmm. What I also wanted to ask is, what is one piece of advice about mindfulness that you give a previous you that you, that you believe would have helped you with your mental health? Um, it could be baby you, it can be teenage you, be you yesterday. What is one piece of advice that you would give you a, pre a previous version of yourself? I, I, um, um, I, I would say, oh. <laughs> we were responding at the same time. No, go time. ahead, Jasiri, it's fine. I'll go after you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that you opened up with the, the, you know, answering about the, first before I answer that, let me just, because I was like, ah, I recalled what I was um, wanting to speak on. 
and you like write your first um, response was, was, you know, speak it to the nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system, um, the fight or flight. So you had mentioned earlier about, you know, being reactive and and that is what I wanted to speak on in terms of why is mindfulness practice important because, um, you know, the physical life is based on a lot of conditions and we have conditions that are sort of auto automated, you know, where we're not really present or conscious to what we're doing or what we're speaking to. Um, so we're either going to cultivate um, a sort of automated life where we're reactive a lot of things we, we react to a lot of things instead of being responsive um uh you know as a life uh to life and so that's what i wanted to speak on and also um yeah so obviously if you have a mindfulness practice um you're cultivating a way for you to not be compulsory or reactive um to life you're cultivating a way for you to be mindful, wakeful, conscious, present um, to any and everything. And I love the, uh, you know, the, the uh, example of like, you know, being in a forest and being chased by the bears. And now we're not being chased by bears. I love that so much. We're not, right? It's, you know, uh, it's the, it's really, I mean, there's a lot of events, right? Like our daily life is filled with events. But it's really what I've come to see is it's really our thinking about the events that creates the experience of heightened, uh, you know, reaction or, um, yeah, nervous system response to the event. It's the way that I'm thinking about it and not necessarily the event itself. Um, because I've come to realize that life is actually a very neutral happening. And based on my memories or triggers or experience, life experiences, I'm going to feel a way towards this neutral happening or this neutral event. I'm either going to you know, feel resonance or excited or joy or pleasure towards it or peace or calm, or I'm going to feel all the opposites, right, towards it, upset or anxiety or frustration, um, avoidance. Um, but I, that all comes from the mind. That all comes from the way that I'm thinking about the event. So um, to answer the question of, you know, what, what would I give, like, my former self, um, what a piece of advice, I think it was, um, in terms of mindfulness, um, is to question <laughs> this one. Question your thought, especially the thought that comes up in my awareness that's riding me, the thought that's like um, uh, on a loop, because I experience yeah. thought, you know, we all do, like, that's like really um, sort of the driver behind the wheel that's going like, this is it. I would say, question it. And the question is this, is it true? Because if I'm not questioning my thinking, that I'm believing my thinking and that belief drives my action and my engagement in life, whether it's a person or it's a thing, you know, like it doesn't, the belief has us until we question it.
So that would be my, my, yeah. Um, I think what I would, the piece of advice I would give to my younger self would be to, um, it's very similar to what Jaseri said, like, you know, oftentimes a situation might happen or, you know, we have an interaction with a person and we're not quite sure why. And then we'll start to, the brain likes to fill in the holes, fill in the gaps of where it's unsure. So then we might start creating these stories in order to explain why why something happened the way they happened or why someone treated you this way or behaved this way when truly we don't know, you know? Um, and oftentimes I hear that being referred to as the ego, the story that the ego will tell you or, you know, um, just your mind. But I would tell myself, are you sure who told who told you that happened? You know, is it your mind or your ego that's telling you this story or do you know this for sure? Um, because I was a lot more prone when I was younger to try and fill in the gaps for myself. And then ultimately I did it almost automatically that I wouldn't even question it. I would just be like, oh, this happened because of this. Oh, this person did this because of this. Meanwhile, I truly had no idea. Sometimes I was proven wrong. Sometimes I wasn't. Um, but in, you know, in getting older and, you know, cultivating that self-awareness, like I said, I'm able more so now, you know, there's always room for improvement. Sometimes I do start kind of like fall into that old behavior, but I'm much better now at being able to kind of pull myself out from that familiar place that my old self used to go to and be able to say, do you know this for sure? Like who told you? And oftentimes I'm like, no one, no one told me that this happened this way. No one told me that this person did this because of this reason. So that would be the advice I give to my younger self. Like, don't create those stories in your head, you know, go to the person or find out factually what happened before you start creating narratives that are unfounded and, and untrue. Awesome. Awesome. I I added a mental note to myself to take you guys, both of y'all's advice to y'all on yourself and apply it to older me because I need both of those. Um, Cause I'll, I'll think through something and I'll just write, I should be a, a fiction writer because I'll just come up with this whole scenario. And I'm like, wait, that person isn't even mad at me. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for that advice. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And lastly, this has been like a great conversation. I've learned a lot from um, both of you. Um, I know that Amaka, you're in the New York, Connecticut area, um, correct? Um, if you're looking for a psychiatrist, yes. looking for um, her services, you can find her. Um, could you let, could both of you let the people watching know where to find you or what services you offer? Um, so I am a psych nurse practitioner with Lifespan Collaborative Services. Um, it's a Connecticut-based private practice, um, and I am licensed in New York and Connecticut. I'm, I'm working on actively um, obtaining additional licenses in other states so that I can see more clients, but right now it's limited to New York and Connecticut. Um, and you can also reach out to me. I'm updating my my name on the screen right now. So in case anyone wants to reach out on Instagram, 
um, at your mental health NP. Um, so hopefully you can see it now. That's my IG handle. Wonderful. Um, I'll be sure to give you a follow actually. Um, so I'm located in, in uh, North, uh, North Central Florida right now in Gainesville. And um, my, I have a website, it's lifeforceportal.com. And my Instagram handle is ask ASK Jasiri, my name, J-A-S-I-R-I. Um, you can also find me uh, um, on Facebook. I'm not really active on Facebook. So just mostly uh, Life Force Portal, also YouTube. I will, it's kind of fresh and brand new, but I will be uploading um, actually really um, amazing offerings with regards to mindfulness, meditation, um, and uh, sound therapeutics on uh, the new channel coming up soon. So that's Life Force Portal as well. Um, but I meet with people in person. If you're not in Florida, I meet virtually as well. Really easy to connect with. If you go to my Instagram, AskJasiri, you'll see in my link tree all of the ways that you can connect with me. Um, I even have a, um, a link that allows you to connect with me for 15, 30 minutes at no cost just to sit down and, um, you know, discover what possible services are available uh, to you or, you know, just to connect human to human um, as well. So I look forward to, yeah, whatever comes. Awesome. I look forward to uh, following both of y'all and seeing your advice and following up. Also, we'll have their both of you guys' information on the website under resources. So um, give us a moment to update them, but they will be um, added to the website. I want to thank you both for um, just awesome insight on mindfulness, um, awesome tips and pointers and information. And um, thank you so much for your time. Um, lastly, again, to everyone that's watching, please don't forget to um, hit the subscribe button and like the channel if you're on Facebook and turn on notifications so that anytime we're going live or anytime we have a show coming up, that you will be sure to catch it. And thank y'all so much for tuning in. Thank y'all for um, joining me and being on this episode. And that's all I got for you. Thank you so much for having